Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the street Hello and welcome. You are listening to River Radio's Let's Talk Business show with me, Fiona Johnson. I'm just wondering how you've coped with Blue Monday, which we've had this month, or Fail Friday. I might have just made that one up. But it's the unofficial date when it's been said that most of us give up on our New Year's resolutions. Personally, I like to think of taking things up, setting intentions if you like. But something I could never give up is chocolate. So with this in mind, I was very keen to learn more about chocolatier Mick Collins from Thea Bromer Cacao Limited. So I was thrilled when he agreed to join me today at Let's Talk Business. And I'm delighted to welcome him today. Hello and welcome, Mick. Hello, good afternoon, Fiona. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. That's be- absolutely beautifully pronounced. See you, <laughs> Get my mouth around that. Um, but I was just thinking, actually, I bet whenever you get introduced, everyone's eyes light up. Yeah, I think um, sh- there's a few employments that, are, that light people's eyes up. Short of owning a diamond mine and being a puppy trainer, being a chocolatier is probably about third. Yeah, probably is, isn't it? It's up there. It's certainly up there. Um, And just to run you through what we're going to be talking through today, we are going to be talking all things chocolate. And hopefully I'm going to be finding out why it's so addictive. Um, We'll be hearing more about your chocolate journey um, and your your actual business journey, which I know is an interesting one. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, We'll also be playing our fun quick fire round and getting to know what is behind the real Mick. And we'll be discussing something I know you're quite passionate about, and that's getting what you actually pay for. Plus, we'll have some classic tracks for you chosen by Mick himself. So, Mick, tell us about Thea Bromer Kakawa Limited. Where there's such a wonderful name. Where does it actually come from? It's the uh, ancient Greek name for the cocoa tree. So uh, we didn't start as that. We, we rebranded a couple of years ago. Uh, for various reasons, and I wanted something, I don't know, a little exotic, something that people didn't immediately recognise, but might be, you know, a bit familiar to to some. Anyone to do, anyone who knows anything to do with chocolate really knows Theobroma, you know. Um, it's a sort of top-notch quality name, is it? Well, it, it literally translated, it means food of the gods, and it's, it's, as I say, it's the ancient name for the cocoa tree. So I wanted something that you know, made sense, was relevant. And, um, but I, I, we previously were called Chock-A-Block, which um, was okay, but uh, we had a few, a few people who didn't like the branding and didn't like the name. Well, I think you've certainly upped your game there. It's definitely exotic and, yeah. and so paints a very different picture. And as someone who's quite passionate about branding, and I've seen your brand and your, your website and what you stand for, and it's, I think it, the name certainly fits what you do. Thank you. So, Tell us a bit more about what you do actually do. I make chocolate, really. I suppose that's, that's an easy <laughs> way of saying it. It's chocolate, some. I'm sure there's more to it than that. It must be a complicated process. It is. It's a very awkward scientific process to actually make it. It's very. You have to be very particular and precise. You know, if you're a degree out either way, then it's, it ruins. And I think that's probably what attracted me to it, really. <laughs> 
that you have to be like the exact science do you yeah yeah a bit of a perfectionist and I think probably I like the fact that you have to work within that very narrow band so why is it such an exact science as someone who just eats it and probably doesn't give it much thought I'd love to know why you know where where that balance comes from I don't you know obviously don't go into too much detail but just why what is you know tell me the significance of the balance well, I think probably what I normally say is that there's there's really two types of chocolate in the world. There's, you know, the sort of Mars bar chocolate, which is mm. flexible and dull, still pleasant, you know, still pleasant to eat. And then you have what we call, you may have heard a term of tempering, mm-hmm. temp- tempered yep. chocolate. I prefer to call it crystallised because I can sort of understand something about crystallisation where tempering doesn't mean a lot to me. So... If you have, for example, uh, if you go and buy a bar, one of our bars, or you were to buy a bar of green and blacks, you know, it's a different type of chocolate mm. to the Mars bar chocolate. It's, it's got a gloss to it. It's got a snap to it's it. It's definitely got a snap. I think that's yeah. half the pleasure, isn't it? Yeah. It's that difference. And without going into it too deeply, it's how the crystals form at a certain point at a certain temperature. Basically, if it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle, mm. crystals within chocolate. If they're aligned perfectly, then you'll end up with crystallised chocolate, um, which has three properties that the sort of Mars bar chocolate doesn't. So you have really that gloss that I was talking about, yep. that, that beautiful snap. And that smell. Oh, yeah, and yeah. the third thing is a lesser known and less obvious property, really, but it's retraction. Mm. So it, it shrinks slightly. When it sets at exactly the right temperature... There's a slight shrinkage, which you may think is not important, but it's very important if you're making, for example, moulded chocolates and you've got to get them out of a polycarbonate mould. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, I, I'm a good 15 stone and I've got it wrong a few times and I've jumped up and down <laughs> on the moulds and they're not coming out. Oh dear. You, know, you just have to wash, wash them down the plug yeah. hole unless you get that crystallisation process just right. Okay, so, I mean, it sounds to me like you're a bit of a chocolate chemist. I think that's... Sort of I guess that's... Yeah, yeah, well, scientist, I guess, similar, yeah, that's... Yeah. It is that sort of you have. There is a scientific method to crystallising chocolate, which really just, in a nutshell, without going too deeply. So you 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 heat chocolate up. If you heat cho- the magic temperature with chocolate, really is thirty four and a half degrees. Oh, that's quite exact. Yes. And I'm forever saying to people if they make cakes and things and they melt chocolate down, don't melt it above thirty four and a half degrees because that's really where the properties of the chocolate mm. change and you can often get that you know that white what we call bloom oh yes. that you get sometimes yes. and well that, that's actually the natural fat in the cocoa bean the cocoa butter that's that's that splitting in effect from the rest of the chocolate it never uh, looks i mean and then you sort of it looks unappetizing doesn't it it does yeah. look un- it actually tastes exactly the same funnily enough but it does look it doesn't look right um yeah. but um yeah so you have this temperature so to work with chocolate, we have to heat it above that temperature. So you're really killing the crystals within it. You heat it up to about 45 degrees and then you allow it to cool. You, you may have seen uh, chocolatiers or clips of chocolatiers scooping a bit like a plaster. Mm, yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like a yeah, work. So you, scoop, you tend to yeah. scoop, scoop it. You, you lay it out. If you're doing it the purest traditional way, you pour your chocolate out onto a cold surface, traditionally granite or marble. And then you move it about with a spatula to, and the air will naturally cool it down mm. when it's in contact with the surface. God, and then it's making it, me hungry. <laughs> it gets you down to, you take it down to about 29 degrees, and then basically the crystals will start naturally to form, and you can heat it back up to about 31, 32 degrees. So you're very close to ruining it at 35 degrees. Mm. 
And then if you keep it at that temperature, then you can work with it and make it into the different things and you'll have crystallised chocolate. The problem is, of course, is chocolate doesn't stay at a certain temperature. So it's always trying to cool or you're trying to heat it up. We've always had melted chocolate in our pockets and things, haven't we? Especially as kids, but I think we still do. But now tell me a bit more about what what type of chocolates you make. Well, I try, you know, I don't do, I know I see programmes with with sculpted, uh, you know, winged albatrosses, you know, on pedestals and things. I don't try and do anything like that. I just simply try and make the best chocolates that people have have had. Um, so I do them a very traditional way. It's a very time-consuming way. You know, people, I think when you see things like... Uh, the machine chocolates rattling past on a conveyor belt in their tens of thousands, mm. you know, you that that's probably most people's idea of chocolate. To make it by hand is a very slow, laborious process. And maybe if I if I get in and get organised and I do six hours work, you know, at the end of that six hours, I'll probably have made about 250 handmade chocolates. So you can see how many you have to make to pay the mortgage and the bills and, <laughs> yes, and, and everybody not, that works for and you. And, sort of slapping hands away. No, it's taken me all day to make these. And, and, You're and not a, helping yourself. <laughs> and business rates, which of course is my yeah. favourite topic, but moving oh, on. Okay. <laughs> and I'm always curious because obviously there's no, there's no secret I love my chocolate, but it's um, the fact that most people adore chocolate. Do you find that a blessing or a curse as a business owner? I think it's a blessing. I think I, my battle is to get people to enjoy Pure chocolate, mm. you know, more the handmade pure chocolate, which is a very different thing, I think, to, you know, the mass-produced cheap ingredients machine chocolate. And I think there is a move towards... A sort of artisan, yeah. there, but it's an education process, isn't it? Yeah, I think probably the main difference is the quality of the ingredients that tend to go into handmade chocolate. Uh, you know, and I get a lot of people, um, I've had shops in the past and people have come in and say, you know, I don't like dark chocolate, it's bitter. Well, it shouldn't be bitter, really. There is a, if you if you have a preference towards that, then that can be created. But, but bitterness often comes from uh, an inferior bean, an inferior cocoa bean that has been rushed, you know, not dried properly. So it's often, that's often the case rather than, you know, they don't like, they normally say something like, I don't like dark chocolate, but that's all right. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, that's, which is a good comment. I'm happy with that. And I think we're all just, you know, speaking for everyone out there, we're learning more, aren't we, about that sort of percentage. I think, again, talking about the education on, on real chocolate, I think people beginning to know that you can have, and I might be wrong, but this is what I think, you know, sort of dark chocolate, let's say at 70%, 80%, 85%, and then the 100%, and then that perhaps is bitter, and that's, but not necessarily, it's what it's supposed to be. So it's an acquired taste, but people are beginning to learn kind of the percentage perhaps that they prefer if they're going down the dark chocolate route. So there's definitely sort of a corner being turned, I feel, if you agree with that. I, I do agree with all you said there. I, I think the only thing you've got to be a little bit careful of is uh, not to overlook the quality of the bean uh, and the percentage can be slightly misleading sometimes. So, for example, you can get a much finer quality bean uh, and produce, say, a uh, 60, maybe 70% cacao from it, mm. or you can get an inferior bean that will be bitter and sour, oh, okay. even at 50%, Probably. you know. And yeah. the 100%, it, it has a, that is when you're getting into a pure bean and the natural bitterness, and what comes with that is the natural sourness, which most, you know, people who, who quite like the bitter, a bit, a bit like with coffee, some people quite like that bitterness in coffee. Mm. 
But the sourness, almost nobody likes. So it's that natural sourness that's within the bean. Of course, which is why the big companies try and mask it with with bucketfuls of sugar. Yeah, I know. I know. And I think we all know that, don't we? That's the thing. We're just trying to disregard it. But um, what would you say? I'm just, you know, it sounds to me like a dream job. So what's what would you say is the best part of your job? Well, the best part of my job is, is undoubtedly uh, the the feedback that we get. You know, it's it's lovely to be told by somebody that they're the best chocolates they've had. You know, especially people who've who've eaten chocolate all their lives, and particularly those who've gone for fine chocolates. Mm. You know, it's lovely to hear that. That makes it all worthwhile. I mean, I'm very passionate about the chocolates. I love making them, and you know, it's very satisfying to hear good things about them. That's the best aspect. Yes, yeah, of course. I mean, the feedback's always good. I mean, and that's why we have testimonials and things on our websites, isn't it? And, and as you say, it's even more valid if it's from someone who has always bought quality chocolate rather than done the switch, because there's, there's no comparison, as you said, between the sort of mass market. But if you're being compared to the artisan chocolate, then that's, then you're definitely doing something right. So is there an element of something that you struggle with on your in your business and I don't mean sort of I just talking about sort of the chocolate process rather than the the nitty-gritty that we all have to endure as business owners well no as far as the chocolate goes it obviously there's only the issues I've just mentioned that it's a really difficult medium to work with um so no I don't have any issues with that the problem I think really is it's a difficult area to earn a living in Mm. there lies the problem yeah you know I mean I was Really chuffed recently. I got into about 25 with my vegan bar. I've got, I've got you some here to Ooh. try. Oh, thank you. But, um, I got a, into about a, 25 Central London uh, really nice outlets. Yeah. And I was chuffed, really. That's ha- really you know, good. I thought, great, you know, the vegan bar, mm. everybody loves it. It will sell mm. so well. And in January, veganuary. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. But when you're in, you know, some of the stores that we got into in Chelsea and Islington and Kensington, you know, you walk in and there's 50 bars. Uh-huh. There's maybe 50 vegan bars. Yes. And how do you, you know... How do you stand out? How do you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you stand out? It's very difficult. Um, so, but I think in general, because of the volume that you can make, I think a lot of people that are in the chocolate business, certainly chocolatiers, I think, you know, they we all sort of start off with this pure... Um, vision mm. you know of let, almost let's go let's go and grind the beans and you know <laughs> let's produce you know this beautiful handmade chocolate but the process is so slow that it would be very difficult to earn a living doing that and a lot of there's an awful lot of businesses chocolate businesses who start off that way and then re- as soon as they get the sales they then revert oh. to really uh cheaper cacao uh, mass-produced processes and just to meet demand, I suppose. Well, to make amongst other things, you know, yeah. if you want to drive a Ferrari, <laughs> if you, I mean, I'm too old to get into one now anyway. But if you did, you know, if you wanted to make money in the chocolate industry, you'd have to go for that mass market, that yeah. volume, yeah. you know, the big volume business that's out there because it's a multi-billion-pound yeah, industry. Of course, it is, and you know, it's growing all the time, isn't it? Just as our waistlines are. But um, but I'm also really curious. It's not all fattening, though. <laughs> it really isn't. It's only what you put in it. This is the thing. Oh, well, I can't wait to try your, your chocolate. Then I shall, yes, I shall Healthy let you know. I lo- there's a thing. There's a thing. But I'm just curious, because you mentioned that you're in some top-end stores in London. Um, was that you knocking on doors? How do you, you know, as, as fellow business owners, really curious as to how you go about approaching and, and making sort of sales to a shop which is going to represent your brand? 
It's very difficult. That's, mm. It's very difficult to get accepted. It's very difficult to sort out a a a proper cut as far as profit margin goes. You know, I've had I've been contacted by uh, one massive supermarket, probably the biggest. Okay. <laughs> they, want, they wanted to pay me for my vegan handmade bar, which sells retails for five pounds. They wanted to pay me two pound fifty, but it cost me three pounds to make it. Okay, we hear stories. I'm not much about of a businessman, yeah. but I, you know, I know that's the wrong way to go. Yeah. That must be gutting, though, to know you've got this most fantastic offer from the biggest supermarket, and, and you know, it's an easy no from the, you know, financially. Um, you know, you're doing something right, and I suppose you've got to look at the positives. But it's and, and also it's going down a route which you've just said you don't want to go down, which is that sort of commercialization. I think yeah, because you, then you're going you're going to go into the volume area. And you're going to go into the area where you've got to then start putting preservatives into your product, all the things that we we don't do and we don't aim for. Mm. And you're also, you know, you're looking at mass volume. You know, they, this supermarket range was talking of selling seven to 10,000 bars a month. It's changing everything, isn't so it? So then everything, yeah. you, you would have to machine it. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't do it any other yeah. way. And then you're going against, really, what we do. Yeah. You know, they actually said to me, we'll use cheaper cacao. And <laughs> I said, well, that's not the point of what we do, really. You've missed the point there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's available in, in bucket loads. Go, you know, any pound shop will sell, yeah. you, sell you a cheap it, machine bar. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, you know, we're talking about what one can do differently to stand out from the crowd. And you, there must be something that you feel you do differently. And then it's obviously how you communicate that. But what, you know, what do you think, if I was looking at two bars of vegan chocolate... You know, in a nutshell, what you know, what do you do differently? What do you stand for? As in, where is the difference? I'm just curious, and you know, because I think as business owners, we're all looking to stand out from the crowd, aren't we? And again, that's very difficult. Mm. And you see some examples of some really wacky ideas and ways to stand out. I mean, somebody gave me a business card the other day, and it had a a very thin, tiny slice of a meteor on it, a genuine <laughs> oh, meteor. Wow. You know, yeah. that was okay. Yeah. It did catch my attention. Yes. Um, yeah, we're talking about it now, but can you yeah. remember the company? <laughs> I think as a, as a business, you know, not it's not easy to have every product. You know, it's not easy to have a unique selling point mm. on everything that you do. The fact remains, you know, that if you are in a profession, then you're likely to have common processes, and it's very difficult to stand out. Which I think is why people focus more on the service side. Yeah, you know, good old fashioned service. If you know, you get a a named person within a business to speak to because the fact is it's very difficult to have I mean we're lucky we do have a couple of unique selling points firstly I suppose that we're based in we're based in the People's Republic of Portsmouth yeah exactly and we make we make uh what we call pusses rum truffles um, uh, okay that's very yes okay I can see pusses the rum is yep. a rum it was issued to the navy for 400 years and and sadly stopped in the 70s just before, just before I joined, so yeah. I didn't get my rum ration. <laughs> and this is a company who make the rum to the same recipe, Pusser's Rum. It's, yeah, it's, it's, keeps a, it local. it's a can. Yeah, it's sort of a play on purser, you know, in the old days, oh, the yes, purser that held yes. the strings. Um, so we buy in the rum that's made to the same recipe, and we're the only company in the world that make Pusser's Rum truffles with Pusser's Rum's blessing. Yeah. Um, well, so. that's unique. And the thing is, you only need one product that you do really well that is unique, and then everything else will, you know, fall off that, won't it? And I suppose that's that's the way of being different. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's you know the old sailors end up all over the world. I've got 
old Matt Lowe's living in the Caribbean and yeah. Belgium. I always tickles me when I send chocolates to Belgium. Yes, I just did it again. Recently. to Newcastle, isn't it? <laughs> and we actually sell the rum. We sell the rum truffles to an outlet out where the rum comes from. That's so the rum's funny. come over here, and then we've made it into a ch- truffle, and it's gone back out there. That's but because they make they like your chocolates, and as you said, you're the only person that does that. Well, the other thing I hit on really was a few years ago I saw some ladies, and they were making um. Uh, edible images to put on a cake so if it's your daughter's birthday Minnie Mouse on yeah. top of a birthday cake and I asked them if they could reduce the image to fit onto a, literally a 27 millimetre wide chocolate mm. and the lady said I don't no one's ever asked us so I don't know which yeah. I thought was a good a good point um, so now we can personalise the chocolates which is also popular uh, I certain, bet that is well yeah. for anything from you know happy birthday or any photographs any jpeg image i had a a lady recently she sent me 15 images one every year of her and her husband through to their 15th anniversary and then asked me to put it all together in one box so that is a unique i'm not saying we're the only ones in the world that do it but i haven't actually seen anybody else i've seen uh images on cupcakes and things like that but you know, so we can. So we you can, can brand your chocolates. Yeah, um, company so you, so logos. Yeah, brilliant. So then, I mean, that must be great for corporate gifts as well. Yeah, we do an awful lot, I and mean, we suffered uh, an awful lot through uh, the pandemic with you know losing our hospitality and events, yes. customers, which just ground to a complete halt. You know, we normally uh, that's thousands of pounds with the business I gone, yeah. which hope, yeah. hopefully will come back. I'm sure it will, but it's exactly, it just went, didn't it? There was nothing you could do. It went. Full stop. Yeah, yeah. I, that, thank, thankfully we survived. You know, when I, I mean, when I started in Portsmouth, uh, I suppose 2013, professionally, there was six people making handmade chocolate and now there's me, they've all gone. So mm. I'm, I'm either successful or just obstinate <laughs> or, yes. you know, it's, uh, well, but I they have literally all gone. I think it speaks volumes for what you do. Um, and... Um, can I ask you what your favourite chocolate is or your, or perhaps your favourite ingredient that you use, apart from the rum, obviously? that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the rum is always, you know, one for the chocolates, one for me if I'm not driving. <laughs> um, I think probably, do you know, funnily enough, my favourite ingredient would, would be maple syrup. Ooh. I think maple syrup in chocolate is, is a match made in heaven. I really... Beautiful. Does it give it that sort of? Um, is it nutty? I'm trying to think. Maple syrup. Yeah, it does almost. Have that slight, and, yeah, um, and nutty. I'm sure there's a word for it. Rich, yeah. beautiful flavour. I really love the maple syrup. My own favourite chocolate. I would go. I would probably go with uh, ginger and chilli, dark Ooh. ginger chilli chocolate. But I can't sell them. I can sell chilli chocolates, or I can sell ginger chocolates. But if I, if I put them together, even with a bit of lemongrass. Yeah. Now, to me, you've got. Something so you think it's match made in heaven, and you've got to convince the public. Yeah, well, they but the public are, in general, and I know I'm generalising, but it's often you know they want uh, a, a mix of our best sellers. So you know the traditional orange, mm. you know strawberry, these you know caramel, these sort of flavours. Yeah. The more I I love. I mean, sometimes some of my customers. <laughs> You had some when, really unusual requests or something. Well, no, they, they, I have, but sometimes they'll, they'll order and they'll say, can we just have your normal chocolates, please? Because they, they don't want the ones that are slightly wacky. You know, I, use, I, I like to use spices mm. in chocolate. I think, for example, that orange makes a lovely chocolate, but I think orange and cardamom yeah. just gives it that, that slight edge with that spice at the end yeah. of the flavouring. And I suppose it's, a, it's well, what immediately springs to mind is that sort of similarity between baking as well, because you would... When you make a cake, 
you might make a vanilla, but when you put it with an edge of something else, they balance out each other and bring that lovely depth, I think. Yeah, to, I like, I, like I mean, I've, I've had some disasters <laughs> as well. And you said about unusual requests. I don't know about it being particularly unusual, but a lady um, for her wedding wanted um, white chilli chocolate. Uh, and I sort of said to her, she's quite a formidable character. Mm. I sort of said to her, you know, well, n- not everybody may like white chilli chocolate. I can do it, but not yeah. everybody may like it. And she sort of looked at me and said, well, it's my wedding. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm not going to argue with her, and I doubt that many would. And she contacted me saying they went down a bomb, everybody likes them. I suppose the beauty of what we do, being bespoke, mm. is that we can do really more or less anything yep. from and, scratch. You and know. you know how we always say, don't we, know your audience? Well, she obviously did. And so, yeah. you know, and it's a wedding, so it's white. So you can see where she was coming from. But yeah. it doesn't, it, you know, when you said that, I thought that doesn't sit with we, an we obvious d- We combo. do get the colour scheme sometimes, you know. Yeah. And I, I remember another big wedding a few years ago. Uh, the lady, everything was uh, was lavender. Mm. so we did a lavender chocolates oh, which nice. if it's not too strong it's actually a nice flavor i think yeah. people go wrong with making it too strong and then it's a bit sort of i don't know i think of granny soap yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like lime is a beautiful flavor in chocolate but if you put too much in it, it almost becomes like a disinfectant it's a oh, real okay. overpowering yeah. flavor yeah and oh. i think probably my biggest disaster was probably i thought it would be good to make some pumpkin chocolates Halloween, yeah, yeah, for Halloween (laughs) a few years ago, and and I mean they they, um, it's difficult to describe how they turned out. It was a bit like a sort of a, they looked a bit like a sort of sweet potato mash with a sort of chocolate (laughs) sauce poured over them, and they nobody bought them, and they we ended up throwing them out. The fruit flies liked them. That was yeah. Oh, good. Good, well, glad to hear it. But it's that's the thing, isn't it? Again, trial and error, that's what you have to do. You have to test these things out. Yeah, and obviously in business you just have to be careful of what you may stand to lose. Yes, I well, think. especially when you're only turning out a couple of hundred a day or something. Yes, you've got yeah. this a big balance. But you've got a, you know, you've got an idea that, again, that's the, the, the joy, if you like, of owning your own business, but also you know, trying to find the next um, trend or whatever it might be. I think you've got to try it. Yeah, that's great. Um, now, Mick, I'd like to get you to introduce your first chosen track. Um, is there a story behind this? Is there anything you'd like to tell us or would you just like to introduce it? It's, uh, well, simply just that it just reminds me of that wonderful period when you're sort of in your teens and you've got the whole world ahead of you and you're perhaps not certain what you want to do and it's just that everything's new and that exciting vibe freedom yeah. yes yeah no, just just genuine excitement you know for me at that age i went off to join the navy uh, to see the world and travel i was stuck in croydon in the back <laughs> a particular beautiful part of yeah. south london of course and i just knew there was more to life than that yeah and and you know what was around at that time was t-rex and what was on everywhere at that time as i got roped into the careers office yeah. and signed on for nine years was this particular track tubster so here we go. Get it on, T-Rex. Don't get it on. I went for Jeeps went, and then oh, I changed no. to get it on. Yeah. Oh, no. Get it. Well, are you happy with get it on? Oh, I am. Yeah, yeah, I played them both actually about 10 times to try and make a decision. <laughs> so I am very happy with get That's it on. That's the pressure of only having two songs. Right. <laughs> Sweet, I'll get. When you're slim and weak, 
Welcome back. You are listening to me, Fiona Johnson, on River Radio's Let's Talk Business show. Thank you for listening in today. Um, today we are joined by chocolatier Mick Collins of Theobroma Cacao Limited. Before Mick's chosen track, we had a good chat and learned about what it's like to be a business owner in the delicious world of chocolate and just what it's like to work with something, in this case, a product that everybody desires. 
Um, don't forget, if you've missed part of today's show, you can listen to the show again on Catch Up via the website, which is river.radio, or as a podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. And of course, if you want to get in touch about anything that we're discussing, discussing, um, please drop me an email. It's fiona at river.radio. Um, I have got a really quick question, which is something that's been bugging me. And so just before we go into the quick fire round, which I'm going to fire some questions at you, um, <laughs> I'd like to know what, what is or is there even a difference between cacao and co- coca? Co-co-co. Cocoa. Well, it's a good Co- question. Yeah. It's a good question. Really, cacao is just the unrefined cocoa. So what we know as cocoa, you know, if you go in the supermarket and buy some cocoa, it's not just cocoa, it's milk solids, it's sweeteners, it's various other ingredients. But cacao is really uh, the raw, almost like the raw grated bean. So it's the unrefined, like sugars, it's the unrefined version. So that's what I need to look out for then. That's what we all need to be looking out for then when we're buying our chocolate. Raw raw cacao itself isn't a particularly pleasing taste. It's... uh, it's a very sour, bitter. Yeah, it's how you balance it. Which is why it's flavoured, yeah. you know, we flavour it with, or sweeten it with various okay. things. It doesn't have to be sugar, it can be, you know, it can be dates, date syrup or maple syrup. So now I know. Mm. <laughs> um, so, right, we are going to now do our little quick fire round where we have a bit of fun with our guests and we get to know the real Mick Collins. Okay. So, are you ready for this? <laughs> I don't know if the audience is, but I am. <laughs> it's nothing too strenuous, I hope. So, Marmite or peanut butter? Well, that's a proper tough one, that is. <laughs> peanut butter edges it for me, I think. But I, but I don't use peanuts in the chocolates because of the allergies. Uh, of course. I was going to say that'd be really nice with chocolate, mm. whereas Marmite and chocolate, I'm not so sure Oh, yeah, no, it. Marmite and chocolate's mm, lovely. Yeah. yeah, really nice. Oh, I suppose salty. Yeah. Oh, no. It's no. nice. Well, no, I, and I love Marmite, but no, not trying that. Yeah, no, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. good chocolate. Okay, that's, you learn something new every day. That's what I love about this. Right, beer or wine? I'm right in the middle on all of this. <laughs> You're allowed to be. I love both. I mean, I love my Guinness, but I really do like a nice smoky oat, you know, oak sort of rich, full-bodied red wine. Mm. Does that go with chocolate? Yes, beautifully. Because I know Guinness does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got, um, there is, a, you can, with wine, you can get a thing called, what's called wine spirit. Mm. And it's uh, been it's been drunk since medieval times. I, I've only, I'm new to it. I didn't know about it. But it's about it tastes like wine, but it's actually because of the way it's produced. It's it's the same strength as sort of vodka. It's about forty percent strength, so it makes for a lovely chocolate uh, mm. and a, and a, and, a, and a powerful drink. Okay, well, that's a good one to know. Um, tea or coffee. Well, it has to be tea first thing in the morning. I always think, you know, I'm, I'm not American. I have to have tea first thing in the morning. <laughs> a mug of tea to get uh, you going in the morning. Yeah, I think the, we all need the that. The rest of the day is um, is coffee. It's yeah. pure, dark, strong, double espresso coffee. You see, but, everything you like seems to go with chocolate. There's something about this. It goes beautifully with <laughs> chocolate, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> I think um, certainly coffee goes better with chocolate than tea. Yeah. Oh, but definitely. I have used the white tea to make chocolate. It's quite nice. Tea. Oh, yeah. like, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's nice, nice one. Um, on to a bit of music. Are you Blur or Oasis? Oh, definitely Oasis, definitely. Uh, Although I love Disco 2000. That was Blur, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was Pulp. Oh, Pulp, of course. Oh, look, there. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> well, oh, that was just that was a test, actually. I'm pleased you <laughs> yes. passed it. Oh, well, I used to work for a record company, so I thought I would have really <laughs> course, let myself yeah, down was, in that It's case, about the same that. era, isn't it? About <laughs> yeah, the same so, era, but yeah, um, definitely Oasis. Cats or dogs? 
Well, again, that's a tough one. I've got both. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed. Got Dylan the You're toy allowed. Dylan the toy poodle. Oh, lovely. He's got a toy poodle. I yeah, would he's never knocking, have he's knocking on that. now. He's, he's, oh, knocking, he's knocking on. But um, to look after cats. Yeah, because they look after themselves, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, and are you a night owl or an early bird? I think early. I've got used to early. Mm. Certainly, if if we're really busy, you know, November and December, we're really, really flat out. It's a case of, you know, you don't know if you're going to get the orders done. Yeah. Uh, which is lovely. Um, so I've sort of got into starting early. Yeah. You know, often I'll be ready to go at six o'clock. Yeah. And then you and can then just com- get cracking. completely knackered and, <laughs> and <then laughs> with my glass why? of red wine and my Guinness. <laughs> Thinking, why did I get up so early? <laughs> Stroking but, the yeah. dog and the cats at 10 o'clock, I'm in bed. Oh. And are you um, a relaxing break for a holiday? That's if you get a holiday or an adventure holiday. Yeah, I like, again, I like a bit of both, and I and I do I do uh, I remember years ago getting a talk from a stress doctor. It was fascinating, and um, he said how you should have maybe a long weekend, you know, every other month, mm. something like that. Mm. No matter how, and I've always adopted that. No matter how hard you work or whatever hours you do, and especially now working from home, I sort of converted the garage, which is now what I call Wonker HQ. So I've only Brilliant. got to walk down the garden. Yeah, nice. Which is great. But for, you need to escape. But you do have to get away. Yeah. So I, I find uh, every other month, you know, a long weekend where you don't do any chores, just get away. Is, yeah, I bet is, you really need to. And get away from, although we all think, oh, chocolate delicious, but that kind of smell and just that sort of re- reminder of, of work, I suppose. Well, I don't smell, I can't, sadly, I've, I can't smell it anymore. Whenever anybody <laughs> comes into Wonka HQ, you know, they say, oh my God, that smell. But I, I, I guess yeah, I'm just, you, into it. it's yeah. every day, so. Yeah. And have you ever met a famous person? A few, actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've made chocolates for Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall for have three you? years now, which is not, a, that, not that they've invited me around. The, the, <laughs> yes, the, the bloke who sort of bought them for him initially is retiring at the end of the year. So I'm hope I'm fingers crossed he might have a party. You never know your luck. Yeah. But I did, I, I did, I did um, in a previous life, uh, I met Leonardo DiCaprio and went round some pubs with him in central London. No. Yeah, that was a great oh, one. Come on, come when, on. When the, when the Aviator was premiering yeah. in Leicester Square, and a mate of mine at the time uh, was a sergeant f- uh, in the met- what I now call the Metrocomical Police Service. <laughs> and, uh, and that wasn't a slip of the tongue. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely isn't. Um, and he said, what are you doing Friday? He said, oh, you know, we've got a few. And I said, well, I can meet you. And we met in Leicester Square. And I'll never forget... As he walked across to us, thinking that face looks a bit familiar, he had a beanie on and was really scruffy. Mm. And I looked about beyond him, and there was a massive poster of him as it was the Aviator premiering at the time. And I, I as he walked towards me, it dawned on me, and he had said to this mate of mine that what he'd love to do more than anything was sort of sling a beanie on and a and a jacket and go around some proper London Be a pubs. Brit. So yeah, that was a great evening. You, and he paid, he paid for everything actually. Oh, that's that's really good to know, actually, because you do hear stories where you think, oh, that's not right, is it? A top bloke, yeah. really top, genuine bloke. But I love that you've made chocolates for the um, Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall. That's amazing. That was luck, yeah. really. I suppose many things come down to that. You know, we had a uh, one of his right-hand men um, used to come down to Portsmouth and he'd pop into the... I had a shop at the time, the Chocolate Lounge, in, mm. in a suburb of Portsmouth called Copner. And he'd buy the Navy rum truffles, being a Navy man. And mm. um, when he, when the Royal Yacht was paid off, apparently Prince Charles said to him, you know, what are you going to do? And he said, I don't know, whatever unemployed sailors do. 
And he said, well, why don't you come and work for me? So for 20 years since, he's gone all around the world with uh, Prince Charles. Fabulous. And when Prince Charles wanted something special for the Duchess of Cornwall's 70th birthday, he sent him out and said to him, go and get me something unique, because obviously I suppose it's hard for yes. people to... <laughs> what do you give somebody who's... So we, yeah. he, he popped in and... Um, he, he's he, he's not got the greatest sense of humour. He's quite a, a dour character, and he came in in a very uh, dapper suit. And you know, I was in a backstreet chocolate shop in Portsmouth, and he said to me, he said, uh, "Right, these chocolates with the images." He said, "I'd like you to make some for the Duchess of Cornwall." Yeah. And I and I and I actually said to him, "Yeah, I, yeah, hard, I was busy at the yeah. time," and I said, "Yeah, you know, I'm the Queen of Sheba." <laughs> and 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 he looked at me with no humour whatsoever, and he sort of said, "Do you want the order or not?" Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, and I thought, "Well, if he's genuine." Yeah. So yeah. I, I took the order, and I'm ashamed to admit that I followed him when he left, and he got into this <laughs> sort of de-chromed black Jaguar with bulletproof glass and a diplomatic plate. Yep. And, and I thought, thought oh, oh, this is a bit elaborate for a wind-up for one of my mates. So yes. <laughs> I thought I'd better make them. So we made them with her cipher. You know, it's like the yep. coat, coat of arms, but mm-hmm. a blue crown. And, and um, he took them up for her 70th birthday. Wonderful, and, uh, and, and he's ordered since. I think that's the key. Yeah, that's we did the main for, thing. We didn't come back for more. We didn't for Charles's seventieth. Yeah, uh, and I and I thought you know I've mentioned the images, the personalised images. Yeah, they were very specific about what they wanted to order, but I thought I'd be clever and just do whatever I fancied doing. So I did images of Charles growing up through his life. Oh, that's nice. I thought they'd really yeah. love that. Yeah, and um, I got this. I took a picture of them and sent them up to the palace and I said, look, I know what you ordered, but look what I've done, aren't I clever sort of thing? And I got this message back, it's like, we are not amused. Can we have what we ordered? Oh. I thought, all right. So, so off, to, I, so off I, to the tower. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'd made them already and I made exactly what they ordered. They wanted his plume of feathers. They wanted uh, something to do with the Duchy of Cornwall, mm. a logo to do with the Duchy of Cornwall. HMS Bonington, which I think was his first command when he was in the Navy. Yeah. So I made exactly what they ordered and gave and I And when the bloke came to pick them up, I said, look, there's the two boxes and you can give him the ones with the images on if you don't think it'll offend yeah. him. And so I got a text back about a week later saying, oh, you were right, he loves them. Oh. And he's, he's taken them up to Sandringham where he's having a bit of a boys get together and he, he's going to dish them out there. So oh, I fabulous. hope they weren't in the back, back of um, poor old Philip's Range Rover <laughs> when he rolled it because <laughs> no, it was about that time. Oh, no. Um, now, you've hinted at quite a sort of varied business background. I would love to hear more. Tell our, tell our listeners a bit more about your, your business journey, your career path, how you came to doing what you do now, making these wonderful chocolates. Well, I suppose the tail end of the story, really. I mean, I made them as a kid, funnily enough. There was just My mum took a look at myself and my dad and promptly left home with a milkman. And uh, that's the sort of sympathy vote. I wonder why we've got free milk gold top as well for a year beforehand. <laughs> so there was just myself and my dad, and he was useless. He couldn't cook a potato. And I, I, I sort of started rummaging through the cupboards, and, and there were her recipe books in the cupboards. I was, mm. I was 13. I couldn't cook. And so I started to teach myself how to cook. And in amongst the recipes for steak and kidney pie and roast chicken were recipes for handmade chocolates, which I'd never remembered her making, funnily enough. And it just sort of captured my imagination. I started following the ingredients and playing around and and making, you know, chocolates that I would then take into school and try and curry a bit of favour with the other school kids. And I think they were disgusting at the time, the cho- both the kids and the chocolates. That's a nice thought. They'd take, <laughs> take a bite out of them and say, yeah, they're great, Mick, and then throw them in the bin when I turn round, you know. But gradually I persevered and, and they became better. And then when I joined the Navy, I got on my first ship and I was, I was 16, 
Oh, um, literally off to see the world at 16, yeah. like you said. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I, I remember there was a uh, a horrible collection of nulled old sweats, you know, viewing the new Sprog uh, in a peculiar way, mm. you know. Yeah, they, it felt like a real It was very outsider. much a pecking yeah. order, and you didn't sit in the wrong seat, and, you know, you were new and you knew nothing, and it was quite a brutal Navy, really, in the 70s. And I went to speak to the cooks in the galley and I sort of said to them, look, you know, I, I make these sort of handmade chocolates and uh, any chance I could use the equipment. And they sort of said, well, go over in the corner, don't say anything and don't tell anybody, you know, keep it a secret. And I started making, the ship was awash with the rum, mm. the pusses rum. I <laughs> yeah. started making rum truffles and the troops loved them, you know, they were. And within about a month or two, I had this sort of, you know, this contraband illicit business going mm-hmm. on when I was flogging Passes rum truffles to everyone on the ship, including the captain. Actually, he used to have them. I used I to have love to that. building del- your reputation, deliver like, them the in uh, uh, under cover of night, and yeah. he'd sort of grab the bag and say, "Mum's the word, Collins," and slam the door. and And that's really how it. I made them for the duration of my time in the navy. The navy rum truffles, fantastic. And then, what did you do after you left the navy? Because I don't think you went then into making chocolates, did you? Well, I, I briefly rode round on my motorbike around central London as a courier uh, rider. Yep. Uh, which taught me the As city of, yeah it was great <laughs> taught me the city all the back doubles and everything yeah. know, I really knew the city of London and then my brother-in-law at the time had joined as, as I've already referred to as the Metrocomical Police Service um, and he said to me you know you should join you know it's a, it's a worthwhile job you're helping the people of London and and uh, you know all the proper reasons to join uh, none of which really interested me and then he told me what he was earning and they'd had this I think it was the Edmund Davis review on police wages and the wages had gone up a bit and he was earning three times what I was earning and I promptly applied and not really expecting to get in but I did so then I ended up in in the police for well 25 years really oh that's quite a career and I guess your um career-ing and the background knowledge and you knowing your way around really really helped but I mean that's such a contrast going well navy police and then chocolate mm-hmm. with you know going back to your roots on the chocolate front well yeah I mean I did my I did my time in in the police and then I uh I then went to Greece actually for a couple of years I decided I was fed up with the taxation in this country and the weather I thought I'd go and sit under a palm tree and pay 5% tax, which you do out there. Um, and I ended up, believe it or not, with this accent teaching Greek kids English. So there's a lot of Greek kids running around with a South London accent supporting Crystal Palace because I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't let them leave the classroom <laughs> until I said they were the best team in the world. Um, and then after two years, I thought this, this has been good fun, but not forever. So mm. I came back and at the time, the Navy were advertising for um, investigators because the troops were out in places like Afghanistan and Iraq, and that had left gaps in in the Navy uh, Special Investigation mm. Branch in Portsmouth and Plymouth. And so they, uh, they were advertising for investigators, and I thought, well, being ex-Navy and ex-detective, I've probably yeah. got half a chance. Good combo, yeah. yeah. So I applied, and, and, and I did that, and I got in just around the time there was a murder on a submarine, a nuclear submarine in Southampton, and that was a big. That was Home in the national again. papers. Yeah, Somebody yeah. went mad with a gun, yeah. and um, then a sailor went missing in Dubai, in Dubai uh, from Gosport. Lived in Goodness. Gosport, local lad, and we went yeah. out trying to figure out what had happened. So, yeah. but the volume of work within the navy, the sailors were all too well behaved. In my day, they caused havoc, mm. and I think nowadays, you know, that mostly it was frauds to investigate. Right. You know, expenses frauds. Uh, 
And then I didn't get particularly get on with my boss. She took a bit of an instant dislike to me, and it was a bit mutual. Um, uh, funnily enough, we we're still friends, but as a boss, yeah. we just didn't. It just didn't really work. And she was told she had to cut the unit from five to four. Yeah. And then there was only ever going to be one that got slung out, and yeah. I knew it was going to be me. Um, but they told me it was at the end of the the current year. And so during that year, I thought, what am I going to do now? You know, the wrong side of 50, bit of an attitude problem, probably not very employable. And I thought to myself, well, the thing I've always loved throughout the whole of my life is making the chocolates. And I thought now maybe, you know, with a police pension, it's a safety net. Maybe it would give me the opportunity to do something I'd always wanted to do and I was always passionate about. And how wonderful to be able to follow your passion like that. Not many people have the opportunity so yeah, no, lovely. Think, yeah. And it doesn't always work. No, but if, you know, full circle. You started with chocolate, you've ended with chocolate. I think that's fantastic. You know, business story, and I think that's an inspiration to, to follow that. Keep you know, keep it ticking over in the background. Um, but we're going to go to your next track now, which is um, James. Uh, yeah, great live. Have you seen them live? Do you know? I have. They're my favourite band, and I haven't. I've I hinted at, do that. at certain yeah. girlfriends over the years to get me a ticket, but nobody <laughs> actually has. Um, and would you like to introduce this track? Yeah, I mean, I, as I say, they're my favourite band. Have been for for years. I think their music's amazing. I think you can play it today, and it doesn't sound dated. I think they're incredible, mm. incredible band. It's my son's name. I didn't name him after the band, <laughs> but it happened to be my son's name, and and it's just. Um, a track that sort of epitomises that's their typical that, music. Brilliant. So this is Laid by James. I was dancing when I was 
that was James uh, with Laid. And um, I'm, I can't describe what's going on in front of me now because Mick has actually just opened um, a box of chocolate and, in fact, his bar of vegan chocolate. And um, I'm going to just have to try it, I think. I think we need to find out exactly what it's like and I'll just try and describe it for you. But um, don't forget, if you've missed part of today's show, you can listen via catch-up on the website, which is river.radio, or you can listen as a podcast via Alexa, Apple or Google. So, Mick, I know we've got Valentine's Day approaching, so I'm going to pretend... No, I'm not going to pretend it's Valentine's Day. I am going to tell you that tomorrow is um, Chocolate Cake Day. So we're going to put your chocolates on top of the cake and start eating them now. And we're going to celebrate National Chocolate Cake Day early. So um, do you want to talk me through these chocolates that you've got here? Yeah, we got we, we make three types, really. We make petty fours, you know, the little chocolates in the cups. We make yep. a moulded chocolate, so patterned chocolates, different types of moulds that we use. And we make the little round truffles. These are the world famous, I call them world famous, our pussers rum truffles, because oh. I sent a tin to the Isle of Wight once. I have sent them around the world. You have to take a ferry to get there. Yeah. Um, I sort of sneak a few vegan, being vegan myself, I sneak a few vegan chocolates in. And if they're going to non-vegan people, I don't bother focusing on the fact that they're vegan. Because mm. they taste so good, I guess. Well, the champagne ones, these are two. These are champagne truffles. So you could try those and see if you'd ever fathom that they're vegan. I'm going to try um, one of those, but yeah. you're going to have to keep talking while I'm trying them. Yeah. Okay. You see the one with the image on, so that's what I was talking about. There's we a beautiful image of a butterfly on one of the chocolates, and um, I'm just going to try one of these champagne truffles now. So You're not driving, are you? Well, I am, so I might only have to have a nibble, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> mm. There's a good slug. Mm. You'll taste the... You'll ta- oh. oh. I think the Brits like strong flavours in general. I think on the continent, they're a bit more into their cacaos you know they're different Mm. types of cacaos oh my goodness that was a mouthful of um literally champagne and chocolate what a heavenly combination absolutely delicious i'm gonna now have to finish the rest of it so you're gonna have to keep talking again good Mm. Mm. yep yep sorry i'm munching on the you're having to listen to me munching i I normally bring i could bring an extra strong hot chili one which was another one of my failures Mm. But uh, it, I, I did it once and the lady nearly had a heart attack, so I sort of thought perhaps not extra strong chilli. You could play Russian roulette with that, couldn't you? And which ones that sort of hide the chilli in it? That was uh, that was sublime, seriously. Thank you. Can you. Really tasted its quality chocolate. Well, you see, it, it, the other thing we do is we use, you know, if we're using champagne, we use proper champagne. A lot of chocolate companies will use an essence that's, that's actually not even alcoholic. So rum essence they'll use, whereas we use the pusser's rum. It, mm. And it does make, or if we're making, for example, um, if we're making uh, cashew chocolate, mm. then I'll, I'll make cream out of the cashew nuts first. Mm. To, and they, then they make them, like if you're using a coconut chocolate, we'll use coconut cream. Yeah. And it just makes them very different. You know, I find that some big companies... Uh, I won't name them, but there's some big companies, you know, I find that they're, it tastes to me like they've made what we call a ganache, a mixture of cream yep. and chocolate, and then they've just added a few drops of lemon and, and a few drops of orange, and so they taste very same-ish to me. Yeah, but I think that goes back to where we started at the beginning, which we said, you know, you get what you pay for, and that's really clear, because that quality champagne... I felt like I've just had a glass of champagne, by the way. Um, and, you know, just as you said, with the nuts and everything, you use the quality ingredients and you use the real ingredients and it really does make a difference. I can vouch for that now. Definitely. It, it, it's the be-all and end-all, the ingredients. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for sharing those chocolates. We've got so much to talk about. I think we're just going to have to get you back with another box of chocolates. But um, do you have any business tips you'd like to share with um, our listeners that you just, you know, given that given where you've come from, have you got any tips for what business owner, you know, the future for your business or what business owners should be thinking about as we head into 2022? I think, I think tip wise, um, if you're a one a one man or one lady band, which a lot of businesses, small businesses are or start off as, I think what's important is to get is to get opinions. Mm. You can be a bit sheltered uh, and decide that on a course of action that you believe yourself is the right thing to do or will be the popular thing. And actually, you know, if you can test it on a lot of people and see what other people's opinions are especially mm. people whose opinions you trust i think that's very important i do just very briefly i remember a, a chap with a brewery and he got one of these troubleshooters in and the beer that he thought was his bestseller by a mile that everybody loved in the blind test that she did amongst experts and lay people and people that were part of camera you know the beer um the one that he thought was the best mm. and most popular came about 10th and and it changed oh. the whole of his marketing and he pushed then the product that yeah. clearly amongst a hundred odd people was by far and away the winner. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got to know your audience, I think, first and foremost. Um, but there is also that sort of that, you know, your product as well. So, but I think you've got to listen to others, haven't you? And as you say, the test like that, it's just the, the absolute proof. Um, I, I used to wait, really, uh, when somebody, when I had the same comment three times and I mm. used to think... I need to do something about this now. Hence, like the previous name and the branding, you yeah. know, three people, business people, very successful business people, had made the same criticism of our previous name and branding. Yeah. You know, one bloke actually said, it sounds to me like a lump of chocolate you'd find in the supermarket aisle. Chocolate. Death now. And when yeah. I got that third comment, I then thought, right, let's, let's take it on the chin and yep. take it as a const- as a constructive so, thing and rebrand and the rebranding he, they were all right the rebranding has been a huge success for us yeah so uh, listen to your audience and listen to feedback i think that's very very valid points we're going to have to wrap up now i'm afraid mick been an absolute pleasure talking to you today on let's talk business river radio um listening to your journey listening to what you can do with chocolate and how you can retain that taste and that quality and that flavor I've personally absolutely adored the tracks that you've chosen. Um, thank you for coming in today, and we are definitely going to have to have you back. Um, but if someone wants to find out more about your business, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, we've got a website, of course, which is www.theobromacacao.co.uk, uh, or anybody can email me, info at theobromacacao.co.uk. Uh, the phone numbers are all on the website, and obviously a contact form on the website. Uh, and my, I think my mobile's on the website, Brilliant. so I'm happy to answer any questions, anything chocolate related or, or anything I can. But uh, and thank, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. But I've never been invited back anywhere I've ever been, so it's a, <laughs> it's a first. You thank go. you. There you go. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. So I hope you've all enjoyed listening to us today. Um, and remember, if you've got any questions that you want to ask us, you can email me on Fiona at River Radio. Um, thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you next week. And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch And try to come to life 
stomping Shower and the blood starts clomping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make 